Welcome to the Ultradent Products Podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Kugel. Dr. Kugel is Associate Dean for Research, Professor, and Head of the Division of Advanced Clinical Restorative Dentistry at Tufts University School of Medicine. With an expertise in clinical research and aesthetic dentistry, he is a reviewer for various dental publications, including the New England Journal of Medicine and JADA. Dr. Kugel has published over 50 articles and 100 abstracts in the field of restorative materials and techniques. He has also lectured extensively both nationally and internationally. Dr. Kugel is part of a group practice located in Back Bay, Boston. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Kugel. What tips can you share with our audience about creating veneers and having more success? I think the key to doing a veneer is treatment planning. And I guess also the key to veneers is knowing when you shouldn't do a veneer. So I think that the the funny thing about veneers is I probably did more veneers in the 80s, mid-80s, late-80s than I do today because my options were limited. So I think treatment planning, understanding occlusion, understanding function, understanding the limitations of the material, understanding soft tissue and whether or not it's appropriate to be bonding on that case, maybe cementing crowns in is better. So you remember in the 80s, we didn't have bleaching, certainly not reliable. We didn't have pressed ceramics like Empress. We had Felspathic. We didn't have all ceramic crowns that were reliable. We didn't have zirconia crowns that are strong and all ceramic. Um, So because of that, we probably did more veneers. Mm -hmm. Today, when I look at a case, I've got to think about a lot of different things than I did back then. I always say recolor first. I say reposition second. I say recontour third. And the last thing you do is restore a tooth. So I can also move teeth today more easily. Mm -hmm. Things like Invisalign, which we didn't have. And in my practice, which is in Back Bay, Boston, we do a lot of Invisalign because we're mostly adults we deal with. Mm -hmm. Where in the past, people would crown or veneer those teeth that were rotated to do the orthodontics through the ceramics, which Mm -hmm. I think is appropriate sometimes. Sometimes I think it's abused. So in what cases would you prescribe, I guess, a veneer as opposed to some other form of treatment? It's funny. If the teeth are relatively stable in terms of color, maybe they've been bleached, maybe the color isn't too dark because doing a veneer and not having show through can be somewhat of an issue. If there are mild rotations and for whatever reason the patient chooses not to go through with the orthodontics, yeah. Most of the time, I'm redoing veneers, to be quite frank, and these are veneers that have uh, failed for various reasons. People who've had composite veneers placed where the teeth have been reduced, I do those sometimes as porcelain veneers. I probably, again, do more all-ceramic crowns than I do veneers because I think I can get a better aesthetic result. And usually if I'm doing crowns, it's because the tooth is relatively compromised. Mm -hmm. I've had the uh, misfortune of seeing veneers that were done in cases where they should have been crowned. They had large restorations. uh, They had old Mm -hmm. composites that somebody bonded a veneer to. Um, I had a patient from Beverly Hills who had a really catastrophic failure in her case because of recurrent caries, veneers that had cracked. Um, and they were only within about three years of when I saw her. So choosing the case, color of the tooth is important. 
margin position or I'm going to end my veneer is important, and whether or not I can get a better result doing something less intrusive or invasive. I'd like to see fewer veneers that I have to redo. Mm-hmm. I also think that when I did veneers in the early days, they were intra-enamel veneers, intra-enamel preps, so I relied on the enamel bond. I have veneers that have been in 25 years. They're there because I had wow. to rely on enamel. I think if you're going to dent and bond the veneer, if you're not meticulous, if you're not careful, you are more likely to have a failure. I'm not sure I'll see as many, if any, 25-year veneer cases with some of the aggressive preps I've seen. Mm -hmm. And I also think some of those aggressive preps that to me look like three-quarter crowns probably should have been done as crowns. Do materials have any play in the success of your veneers? Sure. I think you know, press ceramics like Empress Mm -hmm. have become very popular. They're very aesthetic. I think that because the lab often requires more reduction, dentists tend to be a little more aggressive with those. So, and I also believe that the reason we saw these aggressive preps, because remember in the 80s when I did veneers, you know, 85, 86, 87, we were doing in enamel preps. Mm -hmm. Once dentin bonding became popular and pressed ceramics, labs needed more room because they put the pressed lucite glass followed by the porcelain over it, they were requiring more reduction. So I think what was driving the over-preparation was the material. You can still do a felspathic porcelain veneer, which requires less reduction. You can still say an enamel if possible. Unfortunately, again, when I take off old veneers, most of the ones I'm taking off were more aggressively prepped. Mm -hmm. So material does make a difference. You know, pressed ceramics, felspathic, um, now there's a big push with these no prep like lumineers, and I think the lumineer concept, the porcelain, is not an issue. I do have a bit of an issue with the no prep veneer. I think in many cases it's inappropriate. I probably see few cases where I cannot prep a tooth and get a good result, particularly because of the contour. And if you're going to do a no prepped veneer, the color is also very important. You will rarely see a no prep veneer case that is a dark tooth. Right. Well, and in almost every case, it would be appropriate to bleach first. I, I can't even think of sure. very <clears throat> many cases where you wouldn't want to bleach a, a patient's teeth before any treatment. Well, and that's why I say recolor first. Yeah. The, the, the issue with bleaching in the old days, in particular, like the union brooch, we had the heat lamps, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, the original light, if you want to call light-activated bleaching right. uh, <laughs> any kind of an advancement. The uh, union brooch was a heat lamp that we did chair-side, and, we, and I did it. And the light probably made no difference back then, like it does, doesn't make a difference today, but we did it. And we etched the tooth back then, and we put high concentrations of peroxide. Mm. We would do that first, but it was not as reliable, nor were patients as willing to do that. I think today with the bleaching options we have, including the over-the-counter products, it's sure. always a better idea to bleach because the bleaching may mean that I don't need to cut enamel or dentin. So yeah, I think bleaching is always a good option. One of the problems we had early on when we were doing the early bleaching and veneers was whether or not the bleaching was stable under the veneer. So I always Mm -hmm. had a fear that if I bleached, then veneered, Mm -hmm. over time, would the discoloration or rebound, which back then, and even today, by the way, we don't have a lot of good evidence about. Um, I was always afraid my veneers would change color. I've even, I've, I've not only even, others have as well, bleach people with veneers and we put the gel we assume we're getting color change because the gel can penetrate from the non-covered portions of the tooth and i gotta tell you many times that gets me by not having to do somebody's veneers over or 
redo a veneer case I may have done because every so often that will happen to me where somebody wants even a lighter veneer, lighter than a B1. Yeah, it's amazing how you can do that just to refresh. And yeah. a, a lot of dentists aren't aware either that they can bleach kind of through yeah. through the backside or the lingual side of the, the well, tooth. And I will say one thing. I'm not sure how much whiter they get. But what I will tell you, if the patient thinks they've gotten wider, that's all I care about. <laughs> Whether it's actually happened may be secondary. Uh, I do think they're getting wider. I mean, mm -hmm. people want to believe they're getting wider. And if it means, again, not having to cut off a veneer, I'm a very happy dentist. Yeah. Well, just like Dr. Fisher always says, the more you cut tooth, the more you weaken tooth. Oh, absolutely. So that's yeah. great. One step closer to the death of a tooth. Yeah. Any other tips you can share about veneers? Sure. Uh, first is don't do six veneers unless you have to. It mm -hmm. never looks good. It's not a good option. Always do eight or more if possible. Mm -hmm. um, I think always bleach first is a good option. I would also say that always protect your veneers when you're done. I think one of the mistakes dentists make is they prep veneers, but then they don't give them a night guard or something to protect. Mm. You're protecting the patient, but you're also protecting yourself. Sure. Because if a veneer fractures and it was a result of bruxism and you didn't cover yourself, you're at fault, not the patient. Mm -hmm. um, I would not use a sixth generation or seventh generation bonding agent with my veneers. I don't believe that some of them, many of the ones we've tested, do a good job etching enamel, and I want to etch enamel because I'd like it to be an intra-enamel veneer. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I, I actually would stay, you know, for dentists, doing mandibular veneers is not a simple thing. So a lot of times the bleaching, I always try bleaching lowers before I veneer them because I'd rather not have to veneer lowers. Mm -hmm. You know, the money's not an issue for me. Um, and I think really uh, treatment plan, but that's the key. Many dentists will treatment plan with a drill in their hand. Mm. And you really need to sit down, think about the case. I'll give you an example. I have a dentist who just came to see me. Wonderful guy. was a student of mine at Tufts. He wants veneers. He's a bruxer. He's got a lot of wear on his anterior teeth. Mounted his case in Centric. We're going to get him back in, review his bite. I don't think he's a good candidate. He's insisting on veneers. Mm. If I let him push me to do veneers, I may live to regret this. Mm -hmm. So treatment planning his case will be critical like all cases. I see a lot of failed veneers. It almost always goes back to poor treatment planning. Yeah. Well, certainly good advice for all of our listeners out there. And if they have any further follow-up questions for you, do you have an email address where they can uh, reach you? They can actually, probably the easiest would be drgkugel at gmail.com. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. For a full archive of our podcast, please visit podcast.ultradent.com. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for an upcoming podcast, please call us at 800-268-9010.